I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Resilient Science, the show where we spend time each week trying to better understand the topic around hockey, rehab, and the science behind it. I'm Ben Cernick, and I'm here with Jamie Phillips. It's weird that we say hockey because we're literally just a goalie podcast now. It's okay. Understand a topic around goaltending. Should we just be... Well, we do talk sometimes, like practice structure and stuff, but I think maybe we should just be a goalie podcast. At this point, might as well. Hard to edit. Well. Welcome sure. to yeah. Resilient Goaltending. <laughs> where we only do goaltending and we try to reminisce about Jamie's best saves in his career. We still call it resilient science, but science around goaltending. True. People get mad at us when I talk about math and big words, though, so i got to stop doing that. It's on me. Yeah, your data, your, your data sets are pretty complicated, and then people get mad at me when I talk about very simple things, and it discredits uh, everyone's opinions when I use fact, and people don't like that. Well, this week's topic, Jamie, we're out on facts. We're only opinions. What are we talking? This is an opinion based. This is an opinion based chat. So, uh, former NHL goalie, not going to name his name because I don't want anyone to come at him. Uh, I thought he was being ironic on one of my posts, but it turns out he was being completely serious. Uh, stated that um, goalie coaches are teaching goalies we're focusing too much on making saves and not enough on reading the play which is dumb for a lot of reasons because our job is to kind of do both, but also like our job as goalie coaches is to make sure that goalies are making saves. So those, to set it off, those two are not mutually exclusive things, uh, first and foremost. If your goalie coach is only teaching you how to read a play, find a new goalie coach. If your goalie coach is only teaching you how to make saves, find a new goalie coach. Um, But the question that I posed to you in the chat on Wednesday or Tuesday was... Can you teach the ability to read the game? And I don't know what the answer is. So, Ben. I think, like, very simply, teaching, I, I don't, I'm just going to say, outright, I don't think you can teach it. I think you can set things up that people can learn. I think there's an, like a, an important difference between those two. 
right? Um, and I'm guilty of doing this too, where I'll say to a goalie, you have to read that play evolving backdoor. <laughs> but what does that mean? Like, I'm guilty of that as well, right? What does that mean? What, and and the, I guess the answer is what I'm asking the goalie to do is one, scan their surroundings regularly. So I think that's the first part of can, if you could try to teach someone to read the game, what would you do? And the first thing I'll say is your your goalies need to be scanning regularly. They should have a regular idea of their own team's positioning, the other team's positioning, and at the highest level, the other team's positioning with the handedness of the shooters available to be passed to. Right? So I think that's the first thing. Jay, would you agree with that? Is that the first thing you would say, like, if you were trying to have a, a foundation of what reading the game means, is the ability to process different situations in front of you and what is there and what isn't? Yeah, and you hit it. You said the the golden word there is processing. We we use this kind of as a catch-all term for a lot of things, but when we say processing, it's just our brain's ability to analyze um, the situation and create some sort of logical output in terms of what we need to do or what could happen. I think you're right. So I don't know if you can necessarily teach someone to read the game because it's not like you can grab, you know, if you're saying you're teaching someone how to make a glove save, you can forcefully grab someone's arm and be like, your arm needs to move in this direction for this reason. When when it comes to reading the play, some people will naturally be better at it for whatever reason. I don't know if we can quantify that, but exposure to different options experience is the important thing. So I, this, and so I, you know, we'll, we'll get into it here in a little bit, but when I, and I think we said this before, outside of like the first month with my goalies, everything we do is options and we'll, we'll work on specific things. So say they want to work on like RVH hinges or something. We'll have that, but we'll also have it with options. So how can they adjust? You know, I try to make sure I get lefties and righties shooting each time. How does that change the play? How does that change their angle, their squareness? And those are things that the, the the goal is to have them develop that ability to read the play through experience and through understanding and through processing. And I think you said a really nice thing there as well as you try to give them the experience. But even with options, even as goalie coaches, even if you have multiple shooters, that's still not the same read as what is in a game. And I think there's a really important difference there as well, where as much as I would love to give every single one of the goalies I work with a true uh, representative, so game realistic design, we can't. There's not five people on both teams on the ice defending and playing. Um, and that's why goalies need to be aware of how they can capitalize on learning in their own practices too, right? So you provide what I would say is you're providing the deconstructed version, right? So you're providing like, okay, here's three options or here's two options in this drill. These two options might also exist in a game, but it's slowed down. It's, it's a slowed down version. And now when your team goes into penalty kill drills, odd man rush drills, you need to implement that at that higher level. And so that's, I guess, how you can teach or start to try and lead people to understand reading the game better is at, at a goaltending coach level, you keep it relatively simple so they can understand the process, mm-hmm. but they need to be able to take that into practice and, and do it at a high level. And I think that disconnection is where things go wrong a lot. And when I say go wrong, I mean like you can have a goalie who's 
excellent in training sessions, consistent, reads the play every time. But as soon as you put two defenders and a flash by screen, they miss the read every time because now they've yeah. lost eyes on the pucks and that throws them off. So as much as as much as us as goalie coaches can lay the foundation for understanding options and understanding how you should be scanning and picking up what is available, it's on the goalies to do that in practice because if they're not doing it in at least practice, they're going to have a hard time doing it in games too. Yeah. And well, yeah, you said like we can offer deconstructive situations and we can explain and we, I hope goalie coaches are explaining. They're not just running drills. And like I did a session yesterday with two goalies and I maybe spent, I think I spent half the time explaining Yeah, because, and that's, but that's the most important part is the learning of it. And you, so you, you essentially, you get a deconstructed version in the goalie skate and then your practice is your time to kind of use that and build upon it. And that's why we're big, big, uh, like champions of small area games mm-hmm. because it's as, yes, it's not the same as a game, but you're getting all these grade A opportunities with different options and flash screens and moving parts that are is similar and as similar as you're going to get than playing a 50, 50 games per season, you know, because yeah. obviously playing games is going to be the best, best experience for the ability to read and the play. And then the, the third thing on that is this is why breaking down games with your goalies is so important. And this is why like what I do with the, the EGM program is so successful with a lot of goalies is you know, sometimes people might say like, oh, it's remote coaching. That's that's not great. But we, we spend the time to watch back what someone's doing and to talk and learn. And what was going on in your brain in this situation? How did you handle it? What did you see here? Did you see what hand this person was? The rush was coming in. Where do you like to set your depth up? All these questions. That's what really builds that ability to read the play and that skill set. And it's just an overall intelligence about the game. And so again, that's why I like everything I do, I focus so much on the game breakdowns with my, you know, my tech guys, my remote goalies. And when I go off to wherever next year with those goalies, because, um, this is actually, so Brian Decord of stop at goaltending who, you know, we, we differ on a lot of things, but one thing he said that was, was really important in what the in goal mag podcast is that players forwards and defensemen, they get in game coaching where goalies mm-hmm. don't get that. And I don't know if that's necessarily a good thing at the sw- younger level. I think you should. At the older level, maybe it's best to wait till the game's over. But to get that coaching of your game after the fact is such a valuable resource. And so, again, that's why I I love doing breakdown. That's why a lot of the goalies that I work with have so much success because they've never had that before. And then now we can build that experience and that learning into what they've actually done and what they're going to do as the season their seasons progress. Yeah, and that is really important. And I don't want it to take anything away from that, but I am. So I, I echo everything, and again, champion everything you said there. I agree with that. The game breakdown and, and understanding and getting visual appraisal and being able to talk through that with someone is really valuable. But I think if we even bring it back slower a little bit, back to what is the idea of, of being able to read the play. We think of goalies who read plays well. Hmm. I think the first thing that comes to mind with me outside of scanning, scanning is a given you have to be scanning, I'm kind of annoying when I when I tell goalies that if they're not looking and scanning, they're behind the play. That's it's that simple. Yeah. Even if you're in the right position, if you don't know what everything else is going on, you're behind the play. And it might not cost you a lot, but it will eventually. Yes. Um, but beyond that, I think when we look at goalies who read plays, well, I think what we see as like an objective outcome of that are goalies who are regularly adjust, adjusting their depth. 
I think that is is the the maybe the number one thing. Um, followed quickly by if stuff is is like from behind the net, goalies who adjust their back foot off the goal line. That's probably the next one I think of. It's actually wild you said this because I just spent two hours with my EGM group breaking down their video before we did this podcast, and that was actually the topic of the day was your ability to adjust your depth based on the situation that is around you. Like so. I actually posed this question to the, the kids I skated with yesterday. And I said, what what influences your depth? And they're kids, so they're, they're obviously going to get the question wrong. <laughs> and uh, and I don't think anyone's ever asked them that before I asked them that because I'm, I'm new to skating with them. And they're like, well, the shot. Eh, I guess, sure. sort of. They're like, well, I want to... And then they're like, they come out the class, like, I want to cut down the angle. I'm like, no, like the, the play, your depth is influenced by the play in front of you. If there's a back door, which there was in this drill should you be super aggressive? And they're like, well, no. They're like, okay, but should you be super deep? And they're like, well, no. So you want to be somewhere in the middle. And so we were talking about that because I broke down a Vasilevsky's game and I need to go back and watch one of his games from two or three years ago because he played against Detroit the other night. It was the first time that he looked like, that because I don't watch him a lot, they looked really in control and that he was moving very, very little. And I think, you know, that, that classic clip on YouTube where it's Vasilevsky in-game. Yeah, I'm, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. And he's moving I know, so... I know exactly yeah. what clip you're talking about. Yeah, yeah he's, he moves so, so, so much because he can because he's a freak. So he can't he's do that. six foot six. Yeah, he's six foot six. He's an do athletic, you think, hold on. genetic one. Do you think so? Everyone, this is a, a little, my nerd fact, so everyone who doesn't like my stats, I'm sorry, but I don't think many people realize this, but up until like 2019, 2019-2020 season, Vasilevsky was like a league average goalie, just above. And no one fully appreciates that because Tampa Bay was a really good team. Uh, and so Vasilevsky was was good in the sense that he was a bit above league replacement. Now, in the last three seasons, he's been incredible. So let me make that very clear. But you're like you said, you're going to some hate if you, if you didn't clarify that. Yeah. No, but like he was like for the first few years in the league, he was just kind of like a league average goalie on a really good team. Now he's been a really incredible goalie on also a still really good team. But I think the question I was going to ask you is, and I know what you're talking about, he's he's now moving so much in control, he's moving less generally. Do you think someone reminded him that he's an incredible skater and six foot six and doesn't need to do too much? Yeah, probably. Maybe do you think that's slowed down his game? <laughs> but it, it must have been because, I, like I said, I haven't watched the Vasilevsky break the full game in a while. And, and I was watching it and I asked and... If anyone who follows me on Patreon will see because this video is going up there. I say, like, at the start, I'm like, I don't know if Detroit's bad or Vasilevsky's just good, but he looks really bored. And then I was like, and then the game progressed, and then there was a play, like, uh, there was a situation, and I was like, oh, I see. He is managing his depth so much better than he used to, and it's so, so simple for him, and... I need to go and cut the the clips just so I can compare it because it is a it's like the Freddie Anderson clip with uh, Babcock when Babcock wanted to be like super aggressive and he was horrible and then they finally backed him up and then he was good again. But I just noticed it. We can move on, but it's a really important thing. But like you said yeah. So like play reading ability, it also stems from your depth. And the more depth you have, like you, the more you can control your depth, the more time you're going to get and the ability you can move. So it all comes full circle. But going back to the original question. Yes, I'll, I'll give my I'll give my summary point. Yes, hold on. Can I restate the question? It's been five minutes. <laughs> okay, yeah, they're probably like the other. What are we talking about? Fun fact: also, Freddie Anderson, NHL drafted twice. 
Um, that is true. Yeah, 2010, 2012. The original question was, if we could quantify or objectify, like pick one or two things that really signals a goalie who who you can tell is reading the game well. I think the original it's, question was, can you teach someone to read the game? Oh, well, I was talking about the original question I posed back to you about. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry. What, what was your question? I forgot. Let's <laughs> <laughs> see. Well, I know can we teach that, but I said like if we were looking for how you would tell who's better at reading the game, is it just is it mainly adjusting depth and adjusting lines to pucks? Because I think that's the two big things. And lines to puck being like how you pivot and move to your next location. Yeah, I think it would be a it would be a, a combination uh, lines to puck depth, but your ability to like I don't want to say cheat the play, but anticipate the play. You know, if you're 90, 90% focused on the shot, 10% soft focus on the backdoor pass, that is your ability to understand that, hey, there's a left, there's like a lefty on this side. He's a one-timer. He's going to get that off a lot quicker than a righty who has to either stop and release or forehand one-time it, which is an awkward shot. So you you can adjust. So I think it, it, it's, there's, I don't think there's more that goes into it than that. Uh, but of course, but like death, death management is probably the most important indicator of a goalie's ability to to read the play and read the game. Yeah, and that's like that's where I fall back to because um, the old old saying that everyone said like, "Oh, Wayne Gretzky saw the game four plays ahead, right? He could see where plays were developing. That's what made him his vision, his game vision was so good. Goaltending doesn't really have the, the same luxury because you're a reactive position." Right, you can't you have less. You don't have an influence on the play in front. Well, right. very little influence on the play. In front. Yeah, and you do have influence, right? Like if yeah, if you're cheating, they're gonna shoot it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, right? Or if you challenge really far, like that player's less likely to just pump it yeah. in the chest. Yeah. Um, so you do, and there is some data coming out that's showing that some goalies have better shot influence than others. Stay tuned. But it's kind of a cool concept. But you you're stuck being reactive as a goalie, mm-hmm. which means that how do you read the game is is you give yourself the best opportunities to for the options that are available and i think depth control and plays stemming from low to high which we know are like our, our more high risk plays goalies you take really good lines from low to high and especially low to high across the midline of the ice um those are goalies who are, are a lot more successful uh, it's like philip grubauer was having a really hard time right to left for a long time this is also a fun fact. Filler grew hours since the All Star break, well, or since accident. Only I'm a fun fact guy. Um, is having like an incredible back half of the season, so which is great for the Kraken. But those two things for me are are like, oh, that's a that's a goalie who I think is picking up what is going on. And so, can you can you teach that? You could in- no, you could yeah. Thank you. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah, you can you can let people know that that is the you need to be doing these things. You need to be scanning, you need to be reading, be adjusting your depth, adjusting your line based on what you see. But can you teach people how to pick up extra information? I don't know if you can. I think you can teach them what they should be trying to look for and that then that in turn can influence how they read a game. But you can tell a goalie to be scanning and all the time and then in a game they just won't do it. Yeah. Also right? going back to our original the original comment that sparked this, that's like a part of teaching the save is scanning the game and understanding that you have to slide because you're behind the play. So that's your save. So that's anyways, dumb. So cool. Is it the the other thing is in my real estate in my head. Cause how yeah, it's free. The other thing too, is like I was skiing with a bunch of little guys today uh, and they were great. 
but a lot of it is like they're at younger ages you got to teach them how to butterfly make a stick safe product. oh yeah you have right like, they can't, like they're so uncoordinated they yeah, have to develop that coordination Yes, you need yeah. to, you need to, and we talked about this one of our very earliest episodes, is you need to have them do it thousands of times, slightly different ways, slightly different setups, so that they understand all the variability, right? Like, if you're just doing butterfly stick save from the middle every single time, you're going to be an excellent butterfly stick save goalie. But you also need to do a ton from the angle and a ton as you're shuffling into that, right? And so you do need to, you do need just plain repetitions. Um, that is a, a given. So you it's it's great that but you need to you need to teach the the skills the movement patterns to make safe anyways i don't want to go into that right no so but but going going forward so we like one thing that i've been trying to force of this podcast is that we let the listeners or viewers take away something so if you were going to teach this i would say the one thing that i would recommend is to watch more hockey games and i know that sounds like trivial it's a, it's a broad statement, but look, kids don't watch as many hockey games as I don't think that they used to in the past, just because there's more things, TikTok, just, you know, video games, like other other stuff that's fun and entertaining. But I remember, you know, I we I used to watch Hockey Night Canada every Saturday for sure, guaranteed. That wasn't an option. I just loved doing it. And I would watch YouTube videos of goalies and stuff. And I think there's value in that. But if you watch, the more games you watch, you are getting exposed to different situations. Mm-hmm. And if you're a young goalie or an older goalie and you're watching and you have a basic understanding of sort of what should should you do or shouldn't you do, your brain's going to learn from that. And it's all it's all learning. It's just all repetition. So watch a lot of hockey games or at the very least, go on YouTube and watch the condensed highlights or the condensed game highlights. They're like 10 minutes. Pick They're your awesome. team and watch them. They're great. That's where I get a lot of my teaching clips. And what like. Yes, you're going to get all that stuff. You're going to get all the stuff in practice and your goalie coach should be doing this. But something you can do on your own is watch more hockey games. I'm going to take that one step further. And this is something that I grew up doing a lot and doesn't happen seemingly nearly as much. Uh, For most people, there's probably a junior hockey team in your city or in your area. Ask your parents, go with your friends, or if if you're a junior goalie, there's probably a college team in the area. Like you can learn so much from watching hockey, but watching it in person where you can see what's happening off puck. Yeah. Right. So that's why I say like, watch the whole game just so that you can usually see it. But even being in person where we were not stuck on the TV, like the camera angle. True. I remember for me going back, I still have this memory vividly in my head of of going to watch you play your first season of junior hockey because you were playing in my hometown. Um, and fun fact, everyone, Jamie lost with like a minute left to lose three, two, but that's okay. Uh, was this when I was with Bradford or Welland? Yeah. Yeah. Bradford. Oh, uh, you lost three. This, uh, and like half your team was scratched in the stands. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember exactly. This wasn't, I know. Yeah. Yeah. This is one of the four starts that I had all year. <laughs> this, this is a Dave Andrew Chuck arena in 2010. I only have uh, four starts that whole season. <laughs> Good for you. But I remember watching that um, and going to junior games and just being so, it was so eye-opening to watch, even back then, Jamie, like how you, and you play a lot differently as you got older from that point on too, but even how, like where things were going well when you were reading plays as in you were managing your depth, taking good lines of pucks or stuff where you could tell that you got behind because you were maybe, but you can see that developing in person. And I think, yeah, go watch. It doesn't need to be NHL. It doesn't need to be AHL. 
Go watch D1 goalies. Go watch D3 goalies. Go watch your junior A goalies that are in your area. There's so much you can learn, not only what those people are doing well, but what they're not doing well, right? And as you get better in that, you will see goals developing, not only because of the play happening in front, but goals developing as a product of a goalie mismanaging a situation. And that's the stuff that I think you and I, that gives us pause as goalie coaches when you're like, you're like oh no, oh, don't let that happen because they're not reading that right. Yeah. Right, like, oh, they take they take they under uh, they under attack a bad angle, and you're like, please don't get beat far side here, please don't get beat far side here, because you can see that shot happen. Right? I know, yeah. And then they get beat far side, and you just like bow your head slowly because you see it happening. But you'll learn about that seeing stuff in game, seeing how goalies read and play things off puck on puck, and I think that's really valuable. Go watch more hockey. Go watch more hockey in person. Go pay go pay eight bucks and see your local team, or sneak in, or sneak in. We're not. We're not condoning that. Please, please pay. Please support your local hockey team. <laughs> they need uh, new pads. Yeah, right. Someone needs a stick somewhere. But I think that's so valuable. <laughs> I think there's so much to learn there, and I do recommend it. Uh, I, again, I know in Ontario for me, it's probably a little bit different out your way in terms of how much hockey you can go find. Yeah, but if you have a bit access to it, definitely for the people listening who are in like major urban centers, major cities. Go watch it. Go find a team. There's so many, so much stuff you can learn in person, uh, and and it's it's just great. It's also good family fun, or good fun with your friends, as they say in uh, Shorzy, bums and seats, man. <laughs> That's what it's all about. So yeah, to kind of take this full circle, I think there are a lot of ways that you can expose yourself to reading plays better. I think there are some key things that can help you be successful that go into that bigger concept of reading the play scanning adjusting based on what you see um understanding options like you mentioned earlier right all those things that are things that go into into reading the play can you just do drills and practice that make someone read the play you absolutely cannot that's not a thing the structure is not the same um even if you have two shooters right it's like okay now there's two shooters no defenders like that's not reading the game that's understanding options which is a part of reading the game but it's not the same as reading the game yeah and so i thought you thought i mean i like this idea i like the idea of trying to expand on something these like almost like cliches that coaches use as like oh i need to see that player read the game but i need to see that player be grittier but like mm. we should actually try and talk about what goes into those things and how to work on those things right agreed jamie any final closing thoughts on this one today uh no we're looking at having some guests on so viewers or listeners if you have anyone that you'd really like to get on the podcast for us to talk and discuss goaltending science training any of that stuff let us know uh let us know in the comments uh, whether it's instagram uh youtube or send us an email well uh we're gonna start to have some guests on here can't just be us all the time yeah i only have so many fun facts here uh and they're running they're running low someone else needs to bring facts Someone else needs more facts. Also, Freddie Anderson drafted the second time when he was 22. That's old. It's old. Wait, here's also, a fun fact for you. I don't know the answer. How old was Chris Delahue when he was drafted? I have was no idea. Wasn't he old? He's from France, right? He's, He's from not... France, but I feel like he was... Hold on. I always have Elite Prospects pulled up. Shout out Elite Prospects. So he was drafted in 2001, and he is a 75. 
He is a 75. So would that make him 26? 26. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what an absolute legend. That is old. Seventh, seventh round pick. Yeah. He's a, this is, this is, this is a good follow-up. He is played so far back then that elite prospects doesn't even have access to his stats from playing in the Swiss league. You know who would though? Hockey DB. It does. Hockey DB goes back to 94 when he played in Grenoble, France. Well, I mean, I have it there. I just don't have any numbers beside it is what I'm saying. Do you have numbers? No, playoff numbers though. Yeah, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's that's my fun fact is I didn't know he was 26. I knew he was old though. That's awesome. All right. Just, uh, a lot uh, old fan favorite. He was my, my favorite goalie. That's red, that set of premier one pads he had. Those oh my goodness. Sons were so nice. Chris Paul, he weighed 2005, 2006, nine at 29 save percentage in the NHL. Okay. With who? Montreal? Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty good. That's good. All right, we need to wrap this up. We've been on for a while. That's fine. Um, moral of the story, reading the game is is complicated, and I think there's a few things here that we talked about that you can take in and, and try and understand a little bit better. And also understand that if someone just tells you that you need to read the game better, ask them what they mean. Ask yeah. them what they what part of the game do they want you to read better. Are they unhappy with your reads on rush entries? Are they unhappy with your positioning or angles when it is a power play i think mm. read the play is this big umbrella term when people actually mean something specific so ask them to be specific uh and most importantly right work on what you can work on when you're working with your goalie coach don't try and simulate these perfect game situations that can't be simulated without game intensity and people right work on the skills that will let you work on those in practice which will let you those compete in them in games agreed all right, Jamie. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Like, subscribe, comment. It does a lot. Share with your friends. Uh, let us know if you have anyone you want to join us to join us on the podcast. And we will see everyone next Tuesday. Until next time. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BolinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.